You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. I would like to welcome you all to another episode of In Flow with Soul. And today, my guest is Mandy Frangiliati. And Mandy's this conversation is going to be all about the hustle. So if you feel like you are hustling in your business and the hustling is not getting you where you want to go, this is the episode for you. But before we get into that, Mandy, I really want people to know who you are so that when we start talking about hustling and what does that really look like for you, um, we can put that into some context. So Mandy's uh, a real estate agent and she and her team are on pace to close $50 million in closed business this year for her real estate business. She and her husband also have a daycare facility where they serve over 100 families. And her husband is a chiropractor, one of the top chiropractors in New York State, and she helps run and manage that business as well. Mandy, it is an honor to be with you, and I'm so excited about this conversation about hustling because it sounds like you know a little bit about hustle. I do, I do. <laughs> it's been a long journey. As as entrepreneurs, you feel this this need to hustle, and um, almost this like immediate reaction in this 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 pleasure loop of you hustle, it works, it works. And I've been on this wheel and um, hopped off it, and happy to share my story. That is phenomenal. I love the hopping off part. But before we get to that, <laughs> yes. there must have been some hustle. I mean, you, you don't oh, yeah. create this kind of business. You, you also told me before we started that you were a millionaire at 31. So hustle is in your blood, I, yes. I'm guessing. Yeah. So tell me a, a little bit about maybe some of those early years about what hustling meant to you. And what yes. that looked like. So I joke that the birthplace of my hustle came from being an athlete. So I was a Division One All-American athlete. It was in my blood to work hard and to always be working because you never know when that competitor's working harder than you. So I started right. in this way. And then as I graduated college and decided to get into real estate at 22 years old, I took that with me. And I said, I can work harder than anybody else out there. And I truly thought real estate was a competition of who could sell more homes. I didn't see okay. the bigger picture of life, right? Like I was like, I will sell more homes than them. So my life looked like two open houses every single weekend, two networking events every single week, two, um, two, two open houses, two networking events, two educational events, two um, video blogs that I would do. I was insane about the hustle and about the 
the work that it took to build the contacts, to build the database. And then it led me to being rookie of the year and to get to building a team within three years um, of my business. And the daycare happened in about year five of being into real estate. Um, And my husband's chiropractic office happened early on as well as he was growing his business. But Mm -hmm. it definitely looked like 100 hours a week. It looked Mm -hmm. like constantly working when I didn't have to wake up. I, you know, all my friends like didn't like work. And I was like, mm-hmm. I want to get into the office. And I was in there trying anything. I, I door knocked, I printed out flyers, like designed my own flyers, printed out flyers and handed them to a hundred houses up and a hundred houses down for any open house when it wasn't my listing just to get in front of people. I hustled. <laughs> you, you did hustle. And, and to be the rookie of the year, um, and then your daycare came on f- and you're five of those. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're already starting to add to what you have to hustle about. Yeah. At what was there ever a point when you stepped back and said, this hustle gig is too much? Oh, yes. And okay. I would like to call that a quarter life crisis. <laughs> Oh, good. So I started, I started in real estate at 22. Around 25, I had just gotten married. I was playing in the World Cup. So I represented Team Canada for the World Cup for lacrosse. And when you're 25 playing against college athletes, that meant you had to train. So I was training four days a week, two hours a day. My older sister was having a baby. My younger sister is winning a national championship. My husband was opening his chiropractic practice and I was selling six to seven million in real estate, heavy buyers on my own with no system whatsoever because I just hustled. I didn't know anything different. And so I get back from the World Cup. I get back from our wedding and it hits me that Mm -hmm. I don't like this life. Because when you, when you, sometimes it's like, maybe it's a vacation, but for me, it was the World Cup. When I was gone for 21 days, Mm-hmm. laxin, right? Like if you're an athlete, you get what I mean. Right. Like I was just playing right. lacrosse. I handed off every single one of my clients and it forced me to let go, which we'll talk more about on. But I got back and realized I wasn't as important as I thought, but I also, that feeling in my gut, I hold a lot of my stress in my belly. I started to hate that I, I, I finally remembered what it felt like to not be stressed so that when mm. I re-entered into stress, it was this new feeling that I hated. So I did what any normal person would do. And I tried to get out of real estate. I tried to divorce my husband after being married to him for under six months. I destroyed friendships. I just, I, I lost it. I had a complete and total breakdown and thank Thank God, because he saved me at that time. When I was at my absolute lowest point, he showed me love for my husband. He he reminded me what it's like to feel. Because when you hustle, mm. your heart just gets so tight around it and you lose you lose feeling. You forget how to feel because all you're doing is thinking about the next thing and the next award and the next sale and the next metric. And for me, that was the breaking point where I realized how I've been doing it is not how I want to continue to do it. So as much as I, I don't think I necessarily let go as much as God just pried my fingers from all the control right. that I was trying to have in not only in my business, but in my life. So that hustle and that breakdown happened around 25 when I was saved. And now I've, you know, kind of just, I've, I've, I learned it right almost a decade ago and have been working on this ever since. 
Okay. So now let's get into the good stuff. And this is when you and I first met and um, I think you used the phrase, I'm so over the hustle. And that is really what what hooked me. Like, I got to know more about what it's like to be over the hustle. (laughs) So you've, you've obviously put some thought into this. So how is it then that we can move from that space? We have this passion. We have this passion for our business. We hustle. We do what we think we're supposed to do to the best of our ability. Maybe we get the results we want. Maybe we don't. And we get to that point of, I can't maintain this level of energy. Yes. Right? And, and that's where you got to. So what is the reorganization process like then for you when you said, okay, I'm, I'm at my low. This is not how I'm going to move forward. This is not how I'm going to live my life. And yet I'm still going to have goals, uh, uh, aggressive goals, and I'm still... I'm still going to achieve. Yes. So where do we start? The number one place to start, and the thing that I think was the hardest for me, and frankly the most painful for me, was the reframing your identity. Because, like I said, as an athlete and as a, I wouldn't, it's not like a performer, but as an accomplisher, as an achiever, I'm an Enneagram three. I don't know if we talked about this, but I'm sure everyone's shocked if you know what an Enneagram is, that (laughs) I was just, I'm trained to achieve and I'm trained to perform and I, and I'm good at it. Like I'm really good at it. I tell me to build a business. I'll go do it. But it got to this point where I had to reframe why God put me on this earth and reframe mm-hmm. what my my purpose was here and to realize why do people love me? I had to really yeah. ask myself this question. Like, am I, am I here? Will people love me more if I accomplish more? Will people love me less if I accomplish less? And mm-hmm. the the way that I thought about it was no, they love the people that matter are the people that love me no matter how no matter how much I accomplish. And also the realization that nobody cares how tired I am. I used to be no. like, oh my gosh, it's so hard. I work so hard. No one cares. Like yeah. literally no one cares. The only person you are hurting, if you are trying to prove how tired you are, the only person you're hurting is you. Like there's no right. need to be our living our life as exhausted as we are in order to try to prove something to people who don't care how exhausted we are or what we've achieved. The people right. who love us want us to just be content and be peaceful and enjoy our lives. And if we're trying to prove something, we can't do that. So reframing that identity is, is that first step for me that is, is hard and it's painful. But what the, the key here is that you're doing kind of a, a checkup from the neck up <laughs> because yeah. if you are still tied to this identity that you, your worth is defined by your achievements and your worth is, um, is impacted by resting, that your worth mm-hmm. is impacting by not working, nothing else is going to stick and nothing else is going to be, is going to make a difference or be impactful if you're not reframing um, this identity that you've possibly had your entire life. Exactly. And, and identity is really hitting right to the core of the matter, right? Yes. So I, I talk to my clients a lot about, you know, unconscious programs and beliefs mm. and attitudes and, and identity falls into that, that, you know, from when we were, before we even had language, we were still aware of what was happening around us. And at whatever level we were at, we were drawing conclusions about what outside, whatever was helping outside of us was meaning about us. 
Like we're all self-referenced in that way. It's not a selfish thing. That's how we're designed. Yes. But the problem is, right, we create these ideas about who we are before we have language, before we understand the big world, before we know anything and have any real resources, we're deciding who we are. And then unless we examine that again, we're stuck with that. So you started to examine your identity. How did you shift your identity then? Um, painful, <laughs> painfully, uh-huh. honestly. So breakdown happened early in 2014. And for those next six months, I, um, stayed home a lot. Honestly, okay. I did a lot of prayer. I did a lot of meditation. I just did a lot of reading. So uh, obviously I'm sure you can hear when I speak. I, Brene Brown has been a huge impact in my life and gifts of imperfection yeah. was, um, a key tipping point for me to realize that my imperfections are actually why people like actually love me more because I'm not this perfect person and I never open up and I start to sh- I started to share my heart with people in my church and I started to share my heart with my close friends and I started to um though that that little thing that you can do yeah. by sharing will assuming you have the right friends reinforce your work because you okay. will start to feel friendship and then people will open up to you with their problems and mm-hmm. then you can help them and I never knew friendship until I started to go through this process. I knew kind of what friends were, but now it's like, oh, this is friendship. Because I was never open. I was never vulnerable, frankly, because I lived the all-American dream. Like, I never had big problems, really. Like, life was great. And yeah. then I thought when I wasn't perfect, now everyone was going to hate me. And I realized right. the more that I shared my imperfections and my challenges and my vulnerabilities, the the closer that I became to other people. So I really built solid friendships I prayed, mm-hmm. I bunkered, and I, I really started to, because at this point, I had started my team, my real estate team. And, the, okay. and what, my, what my team basically was, was a buyer's agent slash showing mm-hmm. agent and then an admin. Sure. And that was mm-hmm. who I hired in order for me to get through World Cup <laughs> because I was going to be oh, gone right. for 21 days, right? And so right. they were still on with me. And that's really when I said, listen, I can't, I'm home now, so I can take these mm-hmm. clients, but I'm going to not. Because I can't. I just can't. And so I started to really start to um, give away a lot more things. And it wasn't even like giving away. It was that I didn't take it back. And that process just gave me some more time and some more space. Um, And I think the last piece to answer to this question is that um, I started to have free time. And if you're listening to this right now, and I said, and I asked you this question, Mm -hmm. you have a whole day off. No spouse, no partner, no family, no friends. What would you do? I have been actually working on this. It's this, so hard. This year. Yes. It is. And yeah. so, yeah. I was going to say, in, in, in December, I realized that through all of COVID, that I had not really done a good job of taking care of myself. And so I had decided that one Monday a month, I would do exactly as you just said. Mm. Nothing. No business, no spouse. Nothing, no other obligations were on me. I was only going to do what I wanted to do. And I would, and I've tried, I've tried, I've practiced this every month since then, but I will say in 
May. This past month has probably been the first time that I actually can say I used that day uh, to my benefit because those other days I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm. And when I didn't know what I was going to do, I had all of that inner chatter of like, you still haven't finished this and you still have this to go. And how are we going to do this? And, and it was hard for me to shut down and actually get that rest that I was trying to uh, allocate for myself. That's ex- so, it's exactly, yeah, exactly what I experienced. So what I had to start to do was because I hadn't had free time. I didn't know what free time was. I was like, what do I like? And I was like, I don't know what I like. Like, And it was almost a, a huge therapy conversation that I had was I was like, my husband, my husband doesn't make me happy. And my mm-hmm. therapist said, okay, what do you need to be happy? And I was like, he should know. Yes. And it was really because I didn't stink and know. Exactly. And so it made me look at myself to say, what refuels me? What's important in my life? What matters? Like, do I like to do yoga? I don't know. I've never tried it. And then the first time you do it, you're like, this is awkward, but I think I like it. Like, if you don't know, if you're trying to reframe your identity to not, to be this person who is refueling and who is not hustling, you got to figure out what else you're going to do with your time. Because if you don't, your default is going to go back to work because it always will. For me, having kids, when they're under like two, I really like, I'm good. Like I love babies. But now that I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, they're a freaking blast to hang out with. (laughs) So they're like an easy answer. But if you don't, if you don't have that easy answer, maybe it's going for a hike. Maybe it's going for a walk and you got to invest some time in it. Spend three weeks, spend a month where you're consistently doing it and see how you feel. Start to work that muscle memory. And so those are all the kind of things that I did as I was working on reframing my identity and trying to learn essentially more about me and who I was and who I wanted to be outside of being a hustler and a workaholic. Amazing. That is beautiful. Okay. So the first thing we're going to do is work on our identity. The how what how we see ourselves, where we get our worth, and what is it that we really want? Exactly. So once we're on that path, what comes next? After we've kind of got this strong foundation, that's when we need to get disciplined. And when okay. I say get disciplined, it's because if you, I, I don't know if there's a lot of realtors on here, or I assume there's a lot of entrepreneurs. So many of us get into the real estate business or entrepreneurship because the coveted word freedom. Exactly. So don't tell me what to do, when to do it, or where to do it. Like, I want to be free. And what I realized very quickly was that if I can't live this life of total freedom... Because when I do, I'm always feeling anxious. And for me, the reason why I was always working is because I also always felt like it was never enough. I just feel like, well, how do I know? I got to do this and I've got to get this lead. And maybe this person's doing open houses this weekend. And like, you just, you feel like you can never stop. So what I identified is that discipline actually breeds freedom. If you are disciplined, and and Gary Keller talks about this in The One Thing, and I know Jay Pampasan talks about it wherever he is too, but when you are disciplined in a very short, small window of your life, you are then afforded the opportunity for freedom the rest of the time. 
And so when we are trying this idea of freedom so much, we're missing the fact that we have to, we have to be disciplined first. We have to be super cognizant of what, what we need to be doing with this discipline time. Now, obviously lead generation, finding new business, but it also could be what's a new system you need to build. What are your, your scripts that you use in your business? What's a new skill set you need to learn? What, who's in, what's a new person you need to hire? And, and right. really making sure that you are getting clear on what metrics you need to hit each year, month, week, day, so that, and here's the key, here's the goal of getting disciplined, you know when you're done. Yes. When you can say, I needed to do this, like Monday self says, hey, Thursday self, if you accomplish this, this, and this, you're done. You accomplished what you needed to do. And I'll tell you, my business grew a lot. I would, in a heartbeat, double how long it took me to get there if I hadn't had to go through what I had to go through. Now there's gifts sure. in what I went through. But when you have this hustle mentality, you don't know when to stop because you're not, you're lacking that discipline and that accountability that gives you a measurable result. Absolutely. Absolutely. So some of the, the, and I'll speak from my own experience here, especially uh, early on. I'm, I'm getting much more clearer now. But it was, I didn't know what that 20%, you know, we talk about the 80-20 rule, that yes. 20% of your activities bring you 80% of your results. And and I had that number in my head, and I knew that that was the case. But I trouble sometimes knowing what is my 20%. And I would listen to, oftentimes to too many other people about what my 20% should be preach. And yes. so when I, yeah, right. So when I finally got clear on, on the identity part, who am I, who am I serving? What problem am I solving? And how do I do that? Now I can get really clear on what are the things that I need to do in order to make that happen. Exactly. Now I know what my 20% is. And that's all you have to focus on because it's right. when you, when I was working a hundred hours a week, like there was so much 80% unnecessary things that I just filled my time with because it made me feel good. It made me feel important when you have to look to say, what is it that I need to be doing? What's going to move the needle? And then what's not so that we're not trying to look busy and think we're productive when all we're doing is hustling when it's unnecessary and not beneficial. Yeah. And I think I just want to point point back to that idea of the identity is, again, is really important. Because if you don't know who you are, what you're serving, what your business is doing, if you don't have that, it's hard to know what this 20% is going to be. So if you're struggling to find what your 20% is, go back to your identity. Get really clear. Who are you? Who are you serving? And what problems do you help them solve? That is going to lead you to your 20%. I love that. Yeah. So the other piece too is when we have that identity that our worth is tied up in our accomplishments or our achievements, I I think it goes back to what you're saying about it. When we're disciplined, we know when we're done. If my identity is tied up in, I just got to be busy. That means that I'm worthy. Then of course, we're always going to be busy and we're always going to be messing around in that 80% that we don't really need to be doing to justify our busyness and how tired we are. We got to justify that story, right? And, and especially when we live in a world with our phone and being so easily accessible, there's always yeah. the next email we can check. There's always that notification jumping out at us to say, stay busy, keep going, keep going, keep going. That our environment is also this huge negative impact when we're trying to, we're trying to stop hustling 
hustling, but it's so easy for us to keep hustling with the way that technology and our, our, you know, all of the distractions and, you know, our attention is being pulled in so many different directions. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we've got our identity. We know now to focus on the 20%. What's the next step? So the third step is invest. So when people, when I tell people, you know, I have, I have a great real estate team. It is super, super successful. I run a daycare. My husband's a chiropractor. People are always like, you must like, do you sleep? And I'm like, a lot. And they're like, well, aren't you working like crazy? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not working like crazy. I, I stay home. I, I maybe work three days a week and they're not long days. It's like maybe nine to three, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. And then don't get me wrong. I'm checking emails. I'm, I'm here and there. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I am not working my tail off 24 seven because I have invested in people. I have invested in systems. I have invested. And when I say invested, it kind of is twofold. One, you need to be willing to give up the money. You need to invest financially in people. So you could be making, you could be making six figures and you need to hire someone that's going to take you from making a hundred grand to 70 grand. That's going to maybe a hundred grand to 60 grand. You might have to make this hire. And now I talk so much about it. You're not hiring for a full year's salary. If they don't make a difference in the first Mm -hmm. 90 days, you don't have to. But sometimes people think that way, right? And, mm-hmm. but the thing is, is you need to make the choice. Do you want to continue to hustle and continue to do the same thing that you're doing? Or do you want to make a change? And your income, yeah. my income was not this. There were many, I had mm-hmm. years where my buyer's agents were making more money than I was. I didn't okay. care <laughs> because I knew that I had to get over this hump and that I was making this path and I was investing, investing in my future. I was investing on yeah. building this team. I was investing in that, in, in the money. And if you're too tied up in money, you will not be able to escape, um, escape the hustle because you won't be having the opportunity to, which is my second point in investing, you have to invest in the people. If you can't afford people to come into your world, you can't start investing in them with your leadership, with training, with emotional intelligence, with all of those things that you can so that all the jobs you were doing, they can take over. And frankly, do them a lot better than you can, which is my experience a lot of the times. And so, so this investment is sometimes a hard, a hard piece. Now, if you're not making money, (laughs) <laughs> you can't afford to invest. Like that, that's a reality. Right. That's why C right. point number two, get disciplined, grow your business, make more money in yeah. order to then be able to invest. So if you aren't ready to invest, you got to grow your business. You've got to go mm-hmm. do more. Um, I also talk to a lot of people about, um, a lot of entrepreneurs, and I do talk to a lot of women as well, who talk about the, the, um, heaviness of housework. And yes. they're, the, they always are like, well, I need to hire someone for my house, for, um, I need to hire someone for my real estate team or someone for that. If you're still doing laundry, if you're still cleaning your house, you need to delegate there first. You need to invest in there first. Now, in that situation, Yes, you can make more money in your business, but I love to challenge you to cut out your coffee, cut your grocery bill, find some place that you can cut and have just that be someone to help you with, with your, with home. And you know, there's so many different situations, but when I'm talking about investing, I want to make sure it's not just business side, but you're also thinking of all of the extra stuff. Maybe hire someone to carpool kids, someone to help with certain things like certain errands. But when I talk about 
help getting rid of the hustle, we need to think about investing in all areas of our life. Oh, I'm so glad you're talking about the personal side as well as the business side, because we're one person that shows up for both. Seriously. (laughs) And trying to do all of them well. I'm like crying, trying to do laundry. And I'm like, why am I doing this? And yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So opening up and being willing to look at what are all of those things that you're doing now that maybe you don't like to do or is taking up way more of your time that is preventing you from getting to your 20%. Anything that's preventing you from getting to your 20%. how do we leverage this out to someone else so that it gets done? And, you know, sometimes maybe there's things that don't have to get done too, that we, and this again, goes back to the identity piece. We have rules like this has to be this way. My house has to be in this state. Maybe it doesn't. Yep. Maybe it's okay if things aren't picked up or vacuumed every single week. Exactly. You're going to live and you're going to be fine. So now going back again to that discipline piece, then now there's a reason for that discipline. Yes. Right. It's not just I'm, I'm sacrificing myself or I'm denying myself something. It's I'm making intentional choices to let go of something over here so that I can now invest in people so that these people then can help build my business. Exactly. Is that right? Okay. So investing in people though can be, I, I think, Two things. One is, again, just the money on the front end can yeah. be a challenge. But I think the other thing that came to my mind as you were describing this is thinking long term. Because if I'm just thinking short term, what can I afford this month or this quarter or this year um, is not thinking, where's my business going to be a year from now? Where do I want my business to be three years from now? And if I can look at the long term plan, that it's going to be it's going to take some time to get there. Right. And take some time to really appreciate that. But I think that's the lens that we have to look at is um, what's the long term plan here and what am I doing now to set up for success in the long term? Exactly. And I think that is where coaching, bringing a coach into your world and as well as shadowing other people who are where you want to be. Like, I love that I can inspire people to say not only for people to live the way that I live, but to live the way my agents live. Like my agents, I'm like, you do not hustle. <laughs> you you <laughs> get disciplined, you work really hard during these times, but you, yeah. I want you on my team because I, I know that if you're not on a team, real estate's exhausting. So it's, right. it's not just this, it's this new way of thinking. Craig Rochelle always talks about the gift of disorientation. And when I shadow other people or other teams, or I talk with someone who's doing business a couple steps ahead of me, it makes me see like, that's the future. That's possible. Exactly. That's what, that is why I'm starting here right now. Here's the path that they took. Here's what they would suggest, the, the advice my coach would be giving me or anything that would, that would be a mentor that would take me down that path. So that is what, uh, sometimes you, it's hard to imagine it, but there's so many people out there who are living a life that you want to live. Don't be afraid to go find them and ask people how you can find them. Yeah. You know, that was one thing uh, coming into the entrepreneurial world that was kind of an aha for me because my first career was in um, education. And I'm not saying that I couldn't have modeled or used this, this example of modeling, but it just never occurred to me. And so when I came into the entrepreneurial world, I didn't have those habits of looking for those models. Who's doing what I want to do at a higher level than I am now? And this is also going back to that identity piece of getting over myself and actually calling them and saying, what are you doing? How are you doing this? And would you be willing to help me? And I don't think anyone's ever said no to me. 
right. ever. Exactly. Especially in this entrepreneurial world, I really feel like there's so much willingness to share and to give and to 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 lend a hand, right? Because we've all been there. We've all been through the hustle and the breakdown, and now we can help build one another up. Exactly. Oh, I love that. And the investment piece, you threw coaching in there as well. Um, and I think coaching is a way that we invest in ourselves. So I can invest in, in someone to do my housework or to do my admin work or, or, you know, whatever I need to have done. But I also need to invest in myself to make sure that I, going back to that identity, having someone help me decide who am I? What am I? What, what's, what are my gifts? Um, and having, there's something about uh, the way a coach listens that is very different than any other relationship that I've ever had with anyone um, because a coach listens at a much different level. Yep. So I got married, like I said, I got married in August. Guess when I hired my real estate coach? September. September. <laughs> You're right. Excellent. That September, I hired a real estate coach and I have had a coach ever since ever yeah. since. And I cannot fathom what my business would look like and what my life would be look like had I not had. Now, there's also a lot of therapy in there. Please note that. Oh, oh sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but having this business coach weekly that was doing yeah. the check-in, sometimes I would just sit there and cry on my calls. Mm -hmm. And sometimes mm -hmm. it was, okay, let's talk about your 20%. Okay, why didn't, mm -hmm. what happened last week? What are, what are the areas that are getting in your way? It's, it's an investment that I could, I could never quantify the return. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're, we've got our identity, we're disciplined, we're investing in people. Is there anything else? The last thing, and I, if anyone has kids out there, you know it's going to be a frozen reference, but let it go. Let it <laughs> stinking go. So when I talked about investing in people, one of the things that happened to me was I was mid, I was, I was mid investing in people. And then my buyer's agent got, um, had maternity leave planned for five weeks down the road. Okay. I was like, perfect. I'm going to hire a showing agent. She's going to have about two to three weeks with her. And then we'll have about two week buffer. False. Mm -hmm. She had to have an emergency C-section. Everybody's fine. Five weeks early. And so I got thrust into being a buyer's agent again. And sure. what ended up happening is my entire operations team fell apart because I didn't realize I was the biggest crutch known to mankind. Every day I sat in the office and was hanging out with my executive assistant. She had a question. Yep. Ba -da -da, ba -da -da, da -da -da. So much so that when I wasn't available, they felt handcuffed. They didn't know what to do. And it wasn't because they weren't capable. It was because I didn't let them do anything on their own. I trained them to come to me and I reinforced them that I was the person, what it's called like Superman sur surrounded by a bunch of geniuses. There's some sort of like phrase with okay. that, but okay. I was, I didn't let go. And that was a huge kind of ego leadership realizing that I was blaming them, but really it was my fault because I hadn't let go enough to try to get them to, to take ownership of something because if they don't own it and I still own it, I'm still thinking about it 24 seven. Um, in right. the book multipliers, Liz Wiseman talks about this idea of a medium sized wave. And it was this story about her son who they were at, at the ocean and she okay. kept being like, 
Johnny, move out. And she would have to get him so that he wouldn't get hit by the wave. Johnny kept moving him and finally was like, I'm going to look for that mid-sized wave, the one that's not going to take him out to sea, (laughs) but knock him off enough so that he's going to learn. And she relates it to business when it comes to letting go is how can you let go and let the people in your world who are you are investing in experience a medium sized wave, nothing so big where something big is going to happen in your business, but nothing so small where they don't feel like they've learned anything and see how they handle it. You're going to be watching them from the shore. You're going to make sure everything's good, but we need to let go in order to start to let them take that ownership. Yeah. Now, one of the ways that I um, work with my clients on for this particular topic is really getting clear on expectations. You know, you had shared earlier about, you know, your husband hoping that your husband would figure out what it would take for you to be happy. Sometimes when I see um, entrepreneurs bringing on that first or second hire, they don't know exactly what that responsibility is yet. They just know that they want some relief. Right. So they hire someone, say, here, relieve me of these duties. Right. And then it goes south most often. So how do you set up expectations with your team members then so that they know what is expected of them? So I will say that when I left for the World Cup, so the first time that I was kicked out. So I don't let go of things very well. I get kicked out of things very well. And sometimes I create, like, why do you think I, I, how I got out of sellers, the final way that I got out of sellers was when I opened the daycare. Like I had to find other things to kick me out. So I'm not saying I'm great at this, but here's what, here's how I'll answer that question. My transaction coordinator who was there, she was my first hire is still with me today. She will share the story of what that first hire looked like. And it was a pile of manila folders that inside had papers that had been in my car that had like water and like, it was just disgusting that like were jammed. And I was like, can you like transact these? Like, can you bring these to closing? <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, but okay. one, I was super humble. I was very yeah. aware that I didn't know. And so there was never this, like, you didn't do this wrong. It was a shoot. I totally forgot to tell you. I want a little bit more ex- excitement, like congratulations on the cl- closing exclamation point. Like, the goofiest yeah. little things that bug me that I never communicated to her. And so I think right. going in, if, if you are, if it is your first time making a hire, you don't need to act like you have it all together. Instead, you need to look like partners to be able to say, here's what I expect. This is what I think that I expect, but I commit to you that I will always be updating you and I need you to support me to be able to let me know if there's other ways or something that I'm missing because okay. you can't have it all. Like, now, heck yeah, I know exactly what I want, how I want it, what it looks like. Here are the scripts. Here's the exact, because I've been down this path so many times. But when you first start, you, you just, you don't know the answer. And hopefully by no, by, by letting you know of that, that encourages you to take that leap. Yeah. I love that. The the humility, uh, especially in the front end, when you don't know, you know, um, I, my admin assistant, Taylor, uh, is is amazing. And I, that's really my approach with her as well, because I don't know everything that I need or even want at this point. I'm figuring it out as as we go along together. And having that person who's got your back 
and knows enough about what you want and where you're going to show you, here's another possible way. And that's really what I want. I want to know, here's, here's what I think we need to do. But if there's another way to do this better, I'm all for that. Exactly. I love efficient work. <laughs> yes, for sure. So the letting go, aside from the expectations, what do you think are, what might be another obstacle for letting go? So when I also say letting go, so like I said, it's for me, I was prying my hands off of the, the driver, the drive steering wheel. It was, sure. um, when I had babies, <laughs> when I had my first baby, oh. I realized that I couldn't do everything. And that's when I started to, I got out of, um, more buyers. So I was still doing buyers. So I got completely out of buyers. Um, like I said, when we opened the daycare, when I had my second child, you know, there's letting go. Um, this past year, we did a million dollar renovation for my husband's new chiropractic office to expand our daycare. And I had all of these things that consumed my time and consumed my energy. But what yeah. happened was, is, I couldn't get involved. My team had to figure it out. I wasn't like, and I don't like, I'm not a micromanager. I'm a like, I need to feel important manager. Like I'm not Got like, it. I'm not like, oh, I really need this to be done this way. I'm like, you need me. Don't you need me? Yeah, you know? right. And, and right. so when you find other things that consume your time and consume your energy, it's like a life hack of how the heck to let go. But... Your question of what are some other ways to let go? You also need to let go of your old schedule. You need to let yeah. go of perhaps some commitments. I had a hard time stopping. There was a lot of networking things that I was involved in and I felt like I needed to be there and I needed to no, there were all of these expectations and commitments that I had defined as part of my life that now mm -hmm. if there isn't a networking event that happens between the hours of nine and three, Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday, I'm just not a part of it. Here's the cool thing. Mm -hmm. In 10 years, hit me up. I will probably be a part of that. But in this yeah. season where I know this is when I've got childcare, this is when I am 100% in my business, that's when you have me. So you have to let go of all of this, this other way of living. Um, I started this process for me where I started to take off Wednesdays. And okay. it was just this challenge for me. Like, can I not get childcare on Wednesdays? And so that's how it started. Mm -hmm. And it was hard because what it meant was I jammed my Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday. <laughs> I, I slammed it. But it created this pressure on me. Like, Mandy, you've got to tighten up your listing presentations. Mandy, you've got yeah. to tighten up your to-do list. And you need to prioritize and make sure you're getting that 20% in. Like, you just work expands to the time allotted. So I gave myself less time. And then what happened is I started to conform. And then it was like, Ooh, I, I actually am not even checking my email on Wednesday. And then it's, yeah. Oh, I'm not home after eight o'clock on Tuesday. You know, like I was literally working eight to eight to Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, which, okay. yeah. which was exhausting. Cause then like Wednesday I was like, right. I don't want to do anything. Right. Um, so when you're starting to let go, it's these schedules, it's, it's, it's a process, but sometimes you do have to, it, you're, you got to pry your hands off too. Yeah. And that's also, I'm thinking about going back to point number two about discipline, right? And so some of the things that fall in the 80% that maybe we feel like either we have to do or we do it better than anyone else, or I just love to do it, mm -hmm. really making some hard decisions. Is that the best way for me to spend my time and generate the income that I am looking for here? Or do I really want to let go, invest in people, 
that will do that work for me so that now I, again, I'm back down to my 20%. Exactly. And you're going to have so, so your, your drunk monkey is going to say so much about they can't do it as well as you. They are not right. going to be able to secure that listing contract. They will not be able to convert that client. They will not be able to do those things. And here's the reality. They probably won't for the first three months. But right. now there is someone who wants to work with me and I'm like, no, 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 like you don't get it. Like, I don't even know what the contract looks like. Like I, okay. I am actually so much worse than they are. Like you want them, you know, and yeah, yeah, they invite them over for Thanksgiving and don't invite me. Like they have those relationships and that's okay, but you're, you can't expect them to be you because yeah. right like greats or goods the enemy of great like you they are still like you have to make sure that you're not expecting this like crazy this crazy high level right away and maybe even down the road because sometimes good is okay it's really right. stinking okay and and for you to be able to understand what you are saying yes to by saying no to that yes. buyer client and losing that revenue by saying no to that networking event that you feel you're so important. You are able to start to go on your path to be doing the things that fill you and refuel you so that you can then do even more in return. By doing less. By doing Do less. more by doing less. That's a book. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. I, I like the title. It's called Do this Less. Been, you should definitely check it out if you haven't. It's amazing. Kate Northrup. Okay, I will. I did not know this oh, was a book. She's okay, amazing. So she's she's a, been a huge influence in my life. It sounds like it. Oh. This has been quite an inspiring conversation um, because so much of us are in the hustle. I know I've been in the hustle, um, and it's exhausting. And yes. I know that there's another way. And you just really articulated a very clear four-step process here on how we can even become aware of the hustle that we're in, give ourselves permission that there is another way to do business and get your results without having to hustle. Exactly. And and I think the, the key, too, is making sure that as you're working on your identity, that you're defining what success looks like to you. Because so often in entrepreneurship, you know, even you like, yes, I'm, I'm my husband and I became millionaires, like really like 31. Like it's that sounds so great. But like if you don't want to be a millionaire and you want to live in a tiny house, like go for it. We are Absolutely. we get so tied up in what others define as success and we try to make that ours that we are we're we're chasing this thing that actually doesn't matter to us. And for me, right. I was on a my one of my coaches, she every time I got on a coaching call, she was like, How many listing appointments did you have? How many buyers appointments? And I was like, I don't know. And she goes, are those the numbers that matter to you? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, right. are there any other numbers that matter to you? And I was like, the number of hours I spend with my husband, the number of okay. hours I spend with my kids, the date mm -hmm. nights we go on, the vacations I have planned, the hours that I sleep, the hours I read, the hours I work out. And I started to realize that there are measurable metrics in my entire life that help me define what a successful life is. And it is not chasing money and it is not chasing business growth. You may have business growth where it's just you and an assistant that's helping you. And then you have some help at home and that's beautiful success to you too. So when, when we think of this hustle so that we can be somewhere else, make sure that somewhere else is where you want to be. That is beautiful. 
And I think that's a perfect wraparound back into the identity um, because that is such an important thing. We do, in the absence of us deciding who we are, um, we, we are going to take other people's opinions of who they think we should be. Um, and then we work to try to meet those expectations so that we have this feeling of belonging and connection and, and acceptance and, yes. and value, all of mm, those things. So good. Right? So I, I, I love, love this that we're ending on decide what success means to you first. Yes. And if, if you hear nothing else in this conversation, that is a gem that you can take and run with. Mandy, I am so grateful for your time and, and sharing yourself with us and the, and your experience, um, and these pointers, because I think it's really going to help a lot of us when we feel that we're getting caught up in the hustle. It gives us a way to come back to ourselves. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I've so enjoyed talking with you too. Awesome. Now, before, the last thing before we go, where can other people find you? So Mandy Friend Giuliati is my name, but you if you search Mandy Friend, you will find me. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I also have a podcast. It's called the Pursue You Podcast. Pursue you so you can give the gift of your best self to everyone around you. So you can find us, the Pursue You Podcast, anywhere you get your podcast. And also MandyFriend.com has all of it too. That is wonderful. Well, thank you again, Mandy. I hope our paths cross again soon. Me too. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. But most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.